Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Thursday, September 28th, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. <laughs> Folks, do you know that today is Provincial Test Your Smoke Alarm Day? And my co-host, she doesn't care for smoke detectors. <laughs> you see, whenever she's around one, she sets it off. I'll let you wonder why that is. She is the she-devil with a stick shift. She is the Khaleesi of Quebec. She is Alexa Lavoie. How you doing there, Alexa? I'm pretty good. Oh, can you find all these national day of everything? So is there a national day for every single thing? <laughs> I think so. You know, that is my curse, Alexa. I am a vast reservoir of completely useless information, right? In other words, if we had the end of the world occur and we're stranded on some island or it's a zombie apocalypse, I think I'm the first sacrificial lamb. I'm absolutely useless in terms of contributing to the greater good, but uh, that Whoa. is the case. So how many smoke alarms did you set off today, Alexa? Mm, uh, actually, yeah, I have one, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I think it's working because it started the other day, so I'm fine. <laughs> okay, then. Well, it's so good to be reunited with you, my friend. It's been such a long time. <laughs> and uh, usually, this is where we tell the folks, uh, those who are unfamiliar with the show, what we're uh, trying to do here for the next hour. Trying. <laughs> yes, not not necessarily succeeding, <laughs> but trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will try hard today. Okay. Yes, that, that is the idea. Right? Well, what we are trying to do. David. Yes, that's your cue. <laughs> wakey, oh, no, wakey. So, okay. <laughs> so, okay, so I will take the lead. We are here for talking about uh, different topic of actuality. We are giving our some opinion. We are discussing about uh, some of the news of the day. We are live streaming on YouTube and Odyssey, uh, Getter, and also Rumble. And I suggest to all of you, because this will be a nice show, because when David Menzi and my, me, myself, we are doing it together, it's always crazy. So if you want to interact with us and send us a message, question, or anything, please Send us a super chat because also that contribute to help us to continue our journalism because as you know, we are not taking any penny from Justin Trudeau. No, we prefer to invite Nazi in the parliament to give them a ovation instead of like contribu contributing to independent journalists. Us, we are blocked to the parliament, but Nazi can go. <laughs> and uh, Alexa, uh, our folks should know that if you give us a minimal donation of $5, we guarantee yes. that we'll read your chat on air and react to it. Now, <clears throat> speaking of reactions, um, some, I don't know, uh, three days later, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau <clears throat> finally apologized for what I call Nazi gate. It's funny how we're always adding the um, suffix gate onto a scandal, thanks to Watergate uh, many moons ago. But it is a scandal. And Alexa, before we, um, you know, throw to a video where Trudeau is deflecting mm -hmm. Pierre Polyev's demand for a personal apology, 
That's what it comes down to, and I see so many members of the mainstream media giving Trudeau a pass. Finally, he apologized. But, you know, for someone who always stands up for the spirit unicorn syndicate, who are obsessed with pronouns, as you know, it's never... I apologize. It's we. It's the collective. Whether it's Rose Knight, the reporter that he groped, um, we have learned something from this. Whether it's him putting blackface on, mm-hmm. you know, we collect. Well, wait a minute, Alexa. I've never groped anyone. I've never put blackface on. Why is this prime minister always apologizing for millions of good, decent, innocent Canadians mm-hmm. that have never done anything? And once again, he did it again with um, Hunka being invited into the House of Commons on Friday. Uh, it was on behalf of all parliamentarians. And when mm-hmm. you hear the apology, you can hear the opposition uh, react acting with jeers and rightfully so because they had nothing to do with this this is all on the blackface liberals especially anthony rota the now ex-speaker of the house of commons Mm -hmm. how do you weigh in on this my friend but we know that here in Quebec, um, some of the people, by especially the Parti Québécois, have de- deposited uh, a motion at the National Assembly to dissociate Quebec to what happened to the uh, at Ottawa. Um, we want to; they want to dissociate the the province from this big like mess that have, that happened in in the in Ottawa. And, and what is the most shameful on everything? It's Every single people apologize before the prime minister. The prime minister took so long to apologize. And, and he didn't even like apologize for himself. As, a, as you say, he apologized for and include everybody. But who is including us? We didn't take the decision. It's all on you. And, yeah. and even like you met that person before everybody, you didn't ask for the background. You didn't ask for anything, for who he fought or anything. But And afterwards, it should be on our shoulder, citizen of Canada? No. Right. And, and you know, Alexa, the Justin Trudeau apologists out there, of which there are still some remarkably, uh, most of them in the left-wing media, which uh, in which Justin Trudeau is their sugar daddy these days, how that's not a conflict of interest, I'll never understand. <clears throat> but they're saying the, um, that this is not on Trudeau, this is not on the Liberals, this is all on Mr. Rhoda, the Speaker of the House. He had the privilege to invite someone, and I, quite frankly, <clears throat> don't believe that. I'm not buying this argument. You had the House sitting with the Prime Minister there, the leaders of the opposition parties. You had a visiting head of state who is unarguably the number one assassination target in the world. In the House of Commons, you're telling me Everyone is not getting double, triple, and quadruple checked. In fact, I've seen uh, Andrew Scheer, who used to be the House Speaker uh, years ago, saying that by protocol, such guests have to be checked and vetted. Of course they do. So are they lying, uh, Alexa, or did they fail to check out this guy's uh, resume, which in and of itself would be a scandal, this time one of incompetence. They are capable to check all the background for every single journalist who tried to attend to the 
National Assembly or any kind of event of the liberals, they check us if we are in the good side of the yeah. narrative, <laughs> I would point. say. Yeah. And they block access to the people who did, they say that it's not appropriate with, to have us around. But they didn't like check the the background of a man who supposedly uh, fought for the good, but he was actually fighting for a really really bad like side of the the history. And they didn't think that oh we should check that. I don't believe that. Or it's a really huge huge mistake. Or maybe they think that nobody will uh, do the, do some research and find like the. Ba- the path of that man, maybe they, they, talk, they think that Canadians are fool. So we are just stupid. We're not check the background. You know, you're absolutely right, um, Alexa. When And it's kind of funny. I, I've watched and rewatched Anthony uh, Rota's introduction of uh, Yaroslav Hanka back on Friday, last Friday, that is. And there's this moment where he's talking about fighting the Russians and there's a pregnant pause because I think Mr. Rhoda is doing the math and going, uh, wait a minute, if you're fighting the Russians prior to May 8th, 1945, <laughs> you're fighting one of our allies. You're, you're, you're the bad guy. Did you notice that? I mean, it was just, uh, it was one of those, I think I forgot to carry the one moments <laughs> where, yikes, what have I got on my hands? So, um, you know, that speaks to the lack of due diligence, too. But, uh, Alexa, why don't we uh, run the video of uh, Trudeau uh, trying to deflect Pierre Polyev's um, uh, criticism of his so-called apology? And w- lo and behold, uh, Christine Anderson's name comes up again. Oh, blackface, what a disgrace he is. Let's roll this tape. The Prime Minister is responsible for state visits. Foreign heads of states come here. They expect that they will be protected not only against security threats, but against massive global scale embarrassments and shames like the the one he allowed to unfold before Canadians. So, will the Prime Minister commit to personally calling President Zelensky and apologizing for his personal failure to vet those who were present and recognized on the floor of the House of Commons, yes or no? The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, I will note that to this day, the leader of the official opposition has not apologized for having had three MPs, including one of them who is still part of his leadership team, sit down to dine with a far-right German politician a number of months ago. No recognition, no apologies, no consequences for those three MPs who uh, engaged with a far-right German politician. Mr. Speaker, if the leader of the opposition wants the government to help him vet those his his uh, MPs meet with, we'd be more than happy to give him some better advice. Well, this is the crazy. Last... This Can is crazy because they, they actually blamed them for meeting with Kristen Anderson. When Kristen Anderson was in Canada, she met with the survivor of Holocaust. She, she also walked with one of the veterans um, 
Jane uh, James Top, and she she <coughs> were there for speaking with some Canadian who were discriminated by the government. She she never deny who she is. She always present herself as who she is. She's from the the right wing, of course. Her party represent that. Um, so she never hide anything. She never tried to be someone else, and she always be herself. And she came here on the purpose to to be there in support of the Canadian who were put in the second class citizen, and and they keep blaming conservative to met Kristen Anderson. There is no comparison of what happened in the Parliament with the ovation of an S. Nazi. You're right, um, Alexa. Blackface is more concerned about a fake Nazi because Christine Anderson is not a Nazi. She's from Germany, and uh, lo and behold, in the entire world, the one nation that has the strongest laws against Nazism is Germany. If you do the Nazi salute, if you reproduce the swastika, if you wear a uh, World War II German uniform, you're going to go to jail in Germany. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the state of affairs there. So the idea of him still going after Christine Anderson, in, whereas just less than a week ago, we had a bona fide real Nazi and a really nasty Nazi uh, in the House of Commons. He was with the uh, SS Waffen Division, in which they were killing civilians, carrying out war crimes. I mean, this deflection is outrageous. And I think this speaks to Justin Trudeau being a narcissist, being a sociopath, that he can never take personal accountability. It's always, yeah, but look at you. And that's another psychological condition he suffers for. It's called projection, Alexa. It's like if you're a kleptomaniac, you point to somebody and say, why are you always stealing stuff? No, what you're doing is you're talking about yourself. Um, I think Justin Trudeau could keep a psychiatrist in business for the next decade with all the uh, mental baggage he brings to the table. And by the way, I do believe, I can't remember word for word what Pierre Polyev said. Mm -hmm. I think it was a self-inflicted wound. I'm going back to last uh, February. We had liberal bagman Warren Kinsella go to his buddy, the disgraced uh, Brian Lilly at the Toronto Sun, to reach out to Polyev and denounce uh, Christine Anderson. And he did say words to that effect. Um, it, I think it was a terrible, like I said, self-inflicted wound. He shouldn't have done it. And you're, you know, bending the knee to mainstream media. You're bending the knee to warn Kinsella. Are you kidding me? Here we have the um, th uh, the tweet in questions. And Christine Anderson's views are vile and have no place in our politics. The MPs were not aware of this visiting member of the European Parliament's opinions, and they regret meeting with her. Frankly, it would be better if Anderson never visited Canada in the first place. She and her racist, hateful views are not welcome here. So two things. One is... That sounds to me that <laughs> Pierre Polyev has already done what Trudeau was asking him to do mm -hmm. yesterday. And I'm sorry, Alexa, Pierre Polyev, in my book, he's saying and doing 
all the right things, but every once in a while, um, he does bend the knee to some blowback from the people who hate him, who will never vote for him. He should never have said that. That is not the nature of Christine Anderson. I believe you met her. I met her at a, um, at a function as well. And there is no vileness there, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And do you remember that I, I just bring back like a really old like news that we heard in 2019, but remember that the father of Justin Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau, did destroy some really important document from the Cold War. Mm. I don't know if you remember that, but this was like really interesting. And especially the old folder about Pierre Elliott Trudeau was destroyed. You know, I'm not surprised. Uh, under Pierre Elliott Trudeau, I remember back in the 70s, him uh, having the RCMP raid the Toronto Sun headquarters, uh, mm -hmm. taking out files, trying to see who a whistleblower was. I can't remember what the issue was. I mean, that that's right out of uh, the Soviet Union. And um, right now, moving forward, <clears throat> as soon as we get past the apology and the fake apologies, we, I think what we need right now, Alexa, is to open the files. We know that Hunka is not a one-off lone wolf uh, Nazi that somehow got into uh, Canada. We know perhaps hundreds, maybe thousands got in. I would say most of them are dead. I wouldn't be surprised uh, given that it's now 2023. Maybe there's only a dozen left. But those files are sealed. And Justin Trudeau, who promised way back in 2015, remember his uh, victory mm -hmm. election speech? This is going to be the most transparent government of all time. Why are we still sealing that information? Why are we keeping Canadians in the dark about who's who in the Nazi zoo in our great dominion? And especially this should have, done, should have been done way before way before than now now oh, yeah. it's a bit too late like now it, most of them probably passed away so like what we will not go against like tomb of uh, of people like this is uh, this is crazy the, the thing is just that just reflect that way before than now we should have just checked the background of the people who come in canada and it's, it should be still the case now because right now there is still people who come in canada we are not looking into their background we let enter some people and and unfortunately as i they mentioned at the roxham road the mexican cartel is is among us and they they are dealing with like illicit drugs and and uh, black market of uh, firearm and and after that they they are banning like the legal guns of the people you you can see like the portrait of what canada is begin is coming to be oh 100% and alexa i mean in terms of nazis in canada and those who are sympathetic to them uh, this is not hearsay we're not exaggerating things our good friend at the toronto sun a couple of days ago joe warmington he had a column that there is a monument at an oakville ukrainian cemetery and i think there's a similar one in the edmonton area which is actually commemorating the very division that Yaroslav Hanka was fighting in. These are SS Nazis. And you know, the perversity of us living in Canada right now, um, Alexa, 
We are tearing down the statues of our first prime minister, our nation's founder, John A. Macdonald. But that monument commemorating Nazis, SS Nazis, that uh, goes unchallenged. Um, I, I, it, it's like we're in the twilight zone, Alexa. <laughs> but I just don't understand why why nobody saw that nobody noticed it like, nobody like do a big deal until now like why why we let that happen in the first place yeah you know it's amazing because the left they love tearing down statues mm -hmm. and they love calling people Nazis and by Nazi in their vernacular Alexa it's not someone on you know carrying out a holocaust or hell-bent on world domination no a nazi is simply somebody that has a different opinion than you and if yes. you have a different opinion you don't debate they fall back to their phrase punch a nazi so where or where are the antifa types and uh, their allies uh, who like to tear down statues of democratically elected prime ministers but a monument to uh, Nazi fascists, which I thought that's what they're all against, um, that goes unchallenged. Uh, can you possibly connect the dots for me, Alexa? I'm losing the plot here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot help you <laughs> on that. Impossible. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I'm as lost as you on what is going on, and especially because we got some apologize, but it seems that is not a proper, sincere apologize from, from Justin Trudeau I'm talking about. A hundred percent. And, you know, we should get to another video. It's Conservative MP James Bazan. He's mm -hmm. insisting uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau accept full responsibility for a Nazi being honored in, in Parliament. Uh, I would suggest uh, James Bazan would have better luck asking the tides not to come in at sundown. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. But let's see what MP Bazan has to say. At the end of the day, it is the Prime Minister who is responsible for visiting heads of state. President Zelensky came here expecting a warm welcome and a successful visit. But due to the Prime Minister's haphazard management of this visit, he instead turned it into a diplomatic nightmare. This has played straight into Russia's disinformation campaign against Ukraine. The Prime Minister must accept full responsibility. Will he publicly apologize to President Zelensky today for his failure? The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Speaker, I just apologized on behalf of parliamentarians and Canadians. We will continue uh, to be there uh, to stand with President Zelensky and Ukrainians. But if uh, members of the opposition uh, want the help of security agencies to vet their guests, uh, if they want, for example, us to vet who three members of their team would have lunch with uh, when they're meeting with a far-right German politician, we would be happy uh, to give them advice on who they should meet with and who they should not meet with, Mr. Speaker. Uh, but respecting Parliament and parliamentary privilege continues to be our priority.
Uh, wow. I would say Zelensky is probably thinking, give me a couple of uh, more billion of dollars. I will apologize. You. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. I'll <laughs> overlook it. Uh, you know, I'll overlook my disastrous fundraising. Tra I mean, visit to uh, Parliament Hill. Uh, <laughs> if you give me uh, a little do re me. But, you know, to Mr. Bazan's point, Alexa, he said, and he's right, this w plays into the hands of the Russian disinformation campaign. And what he means by that, as you know, one of the reasons for the Russian invasion into Ukraine is to, um, it, it's a campaign of denazification. That's what Mr. Putin says. He's got to rid that area of the world of Nazis. And that's a real stretch, let me tell you. But the happiest person in the world due to this fiasco is Putin. He just has to point to the Canadian Parliament and say, look, I told you, you know, we have a problem. There's Nazis galore. They're even in the House of Commons in a Western Democratic uh, Parliament. Um, this has been, you spoke about giving billions to Zelensky. This has been a multi-billion dollar propaganda gift to Putin. He's still talking about this. And if I were Putin, I would say so too. This is one of the biggest fiascos so far in the eight years of the blackface liberals. And considering all the other fiascos, Alexa, that's saying something. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I would say like, I'm not a partisan of no either Putin or like uh, Zelensky. I don't think this is our war. And I think we should like just get far away from it and just maybe like try to get the peace out of what is going on. But it's not what we are doing. We're just like putting more and more um, fuel on the fire. I agree. Sadly, I don't think Ukraine can win this war. You're going up against a superpower uh, with nuclear capability. And... Mm -hmm. I think the only way this ends is by that nation acquiescing to terms of surrender as dictated by the Russians. Uh, but for all the money we're throwing at this, uh, again, I look at the gift Putin received on Friday with Hunka being there. And by the way, Alex, I want to get your opinion on this, because this is a real mystery to me. Mm -hmm. Evidently, it was the Hunka family, and they live in the North Bay area of Ontario. They reached out to Rhoda, and they said, hey, listen, um, when the house resumes, this would be a great whiz-bang propaganda photo op, uh, having Hunka Sr., the war veteran, uh, come into the house and uh, pose with various MPs and, and get a standing ovation. I am trying to think what in blue hell the family was thinking, Alexa. We live in the day and age of the internet. Did they not think somebody might do a little investigation? And by the way, again, I think for the third day in the row, I'm giving a, a shout out to our boss, Ezra Levent. He started doing the math on Sunday. He started uh, figuring out, wait a minute, if somebody in 19, then prior, prior to May 8, 1945, is shooting at the Russians, he's shooting at us, the Allied forces. And I'm just wondering what that family hoped to achieve because 
it's nothing but a potential downside. Now, I understand uh, they're in hiding in the North Bay bunker, if you will, uh, so they've made no comment on this, but if you had a supersized skeleton in your family closet, like Yaroslav Honka, would you want any attention whatsoever on you, Alexa? But I would say that it depends of what Mr. Anka this did say to his family. He probably like moved to Canada and said he can reinvent his his own story and his own life to make it like more shiny and more like beautiful than what it is. And so at one point when you go and you lie for most part of your life, it's begin to be your reality. And so some of the people can get lost and just like thinking that, yes, I did great and what I did, it was okay. But the thing is, if it's always swimming in all this and just like saying to everybody that all great it was and all, all it felt for the good, and so that people believe that and are pursued that it's the truth, they probably just think that it was the right thing to do. But at the end of the day, we don't know really if they were aware of it or not, or what uncle said to his family, because when he moved here in Canada, probably he was pretty young. So probably like his whole life was coming afterwards when he, he, he started probably it like in Canada and probably what he say was not the truth. You know, Alexa, that's a very good point. But here is my rebuttal. Even if that <laughs> is true, right, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's Hanka Sr.'s call if he's going to go to the House of Commons. Yaroslav Hanka knows damn well what he did in the Second World War. And if I'm him... Uh, I'm going, uh, thanks, but no thanks, family. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a retired Nazi living in obscurity in northern Ontario with a nice life and a nice lifestyle. And you think I want to get out of it? I, I'm defaulting to uh, Sergeant Schultz uh, philosophy from Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing. I saw nothing. Right? I am not going to risk, uh, you know, the glare of publicity if people find out who I am. Then again, he is 98. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just speculating here. Maybe there's an element of senility here, dementia. Mm -hmm what have you, in which case he's convinced himself he was a war hero for the good guys. Yeah. We'll never know. But we'll take this back up uh, after the break. we got to make an ad break now, uh, Alexa, and uh, more insanity to come <laughs> after this. Stay with us. <laughs> Dr. James Lindsay, who is a frequent guest of both Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, and the host of the New Discourse podcast, is coming to Alberta for the first time. And so the conclusion was that we now have to train men the way that we train dogs with like leashes and shock collars and, <laughs> and things in order to in order to get rape culture to go away. Medic religion is actually the easiest way to kind of make sense, honestly, of the trans phenomenon as well. Well, the queer theory thinks that there are certain people who get to set the norms of society. Dr. Lindsay will be speaking directly to the dangers of critical theory 
and its gender ideology uh, that are pushing their way into children's classrooms. In queer theory, you know, calling somebody saying you're a man or a woman is called a violence of categorization. You just, why don't you say it's, this is systemic sexism and distinguish from what most people think of as sexism. She said, no, it is sexism. It's the same thing, mm -hmm. but they're clearly not the same thing. You don't want to miss this. Tickets are selling fast. You can get yours today. That is being run by Take Back Alberta. So you can get those tickets on their website. October 2nd and October 3rd are the dates. And it's going to be an incredible event. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Well, Alexa, uh, as I fully predicted uh, when this scandal broke, uh, that's the latest scandal, um, not Chinese electoral interference. Oh, what am I talking about? That was two scandals ago. In between, we had India fiasco, Roman numeral two, <laughs> to contend with. I'm losing track. I really am. But um, part of uh, Blackface's strategy, as always, is to change the channel. And sure enough, uh, we have to talk about climate change. Uh, or is it the climate crisis? Or is it the climate emergency? Or is it the climate catastrophe? Um, I think we're all going to boil alive in the months ahead, evidently, uh, Alexa, if you listen to the rhetoric. So let's throw to um, a video of uh, Blackface once again lying about the promise that comes with uh, climate change initiatives, i.e. it's going to create as opposed to kill jobs in the economy. You see, the promise of Canada is that every generation should reach even higher than the one that came before. That promise is under threat everywhere around the world. But we're securing that promise of Canada by securing great jobs in the clean economy of tomorrow. What happened here today, what we're announcing today, didn't happen by accident, and it won't continue without effort. It's deliberate work in partnership with the government of Quebec that demonstrates that building a strong economy for the future and protecting the environment go together. <laughs> it may seem obvious to everyone in the room, but not everyone gets that. Today, in the House of Commons, while we're making this historic announcement, conservative politicians are arguing that Canada needs to do less to fight climate change. <laughs> They want to take away money that is supporting Canadian families in the fight against climate change while being less ambitious on drawing in investments, on building those careers of the future. Every day, while Canadians are building the economy and the clean jobs of the future with announcements, investments and innovations like this, federal Conservatives put it all at risk and want to take us backwards. This is a real threat and we cannot make that happen. Now, Alexa, yeah. since you are the Khaleesi of Quebec, I want you to uh, run with this because the uh, issue was building Quebec's uh, clean economy. And I know you have more insight into your own province's uh, clean schemes than I do. But I just want to say this when it comes to future generations. Why don't we talk about previous generations? Because as I understand it, Alexa, the source of the Trudeau family fortune 
Well, they were running gas stations in Quebec, weren't they? That's how they built their wealth. So suddenly, oh, that was okay for us, but now that blackface is, uh, you know, has it made in the shade, I'm going to make your life miserable with carbon taxes. I'm going to have legislation compelling you to buy a six-figure electric vehicle in the future that you'll have to take out a third mortgage on. Yeah, but uh, please turn a blind eye to how it is that Team Trudeau got so wealthy in the first place but i would say first of all like they announced that the investment can go uh until seven billion of dollars while now we are in a life of uh, the cost of living crisis inflation crisis housing crisis and so many crises that is happening right now but you are spending seven billion of dollars for um a clean energy transition um i don't know what is really thinking uh, or i don't know but i think now canada need help more than ever because your clean energy will not <laughs> will not, not like serve to nobody if everybody is in the street after like a moment eh? so um my my single point is uh, they keep keeping people in fear and hysteria around um, climate change, and that's it's happening since how many years? I don't really like remember. I remember I was like in uh, university, and they were still still saying, and I remember they were saying like, "Oh my God, uh, climate change will not pass like the the year 2010 or 2005," and and it was always like a, a fear creating. But now it's more and more and more. And this is untrue when they say that conservatives want to do less effort. Actually, they want to remove the hysteria around climate change. They want to for Canada to be rich with our natural resources. What actually François Legault have banned the extraction of natural resources in Quebec. So right now, what they are doing is not for good of Canadian. They are doing it because they want to push a transition on people that refuse to do so because at one point i don't think it would be on favor and of of canadian you know and on that point alex i believe in uh, the history of our planet we've had what five mass extinctions i think the definition is where at least 60 percent of the species perish and all of which uh, occurred before there was a single SUV on the road, before there was a single gas-burning <laughs> oven. Uh, Homo sapiens was never a factor. I mean, just imagine, Alexa. I mean, I still find it incredible to this day whenever I visit Alberta, especially in the wintertime. Millions of years ago, that was a tropical grassland, if you can imagine. There were dinosaurs mm -hmm. <laughs> roaming the prairies. Um, and we had nothing to do with that. So the idea that the climate is changing, I would argue, twas ever thus, but maybe there are factors at play beyond any kind of man-made involvement, but the radical left, we're the ones to blame, and I reject that theory based on scientific history. And um, the, the, the fact that they are always talking about that and saying like this is a real big issue and they are keeping people in fear, that creates like a group of kind of people from the radical left who are going 
against SUV. Like in Montreal recently, they are not only vandalize the SUV, they are deflating the, their tire and giving fake infraction ticket, saying that your car is contributing to kill the life of animal, human, and vegetal. So this is going crazy when you think that they are going against the SUV. I'm sorry, the SUV is most, uh, mostly like families who are using it for their children. They need it. You know, uh, that's a good point. And l let us address, uh, you had a great tweet about this. Uh, mm -hmm. in which people in Montreal were indeed given fake infraction notices. You know, I don't mind that. It's a, f a phony baloney ticket. What I do mind is having tires deflated or slashed, any kind of vandalism. That's against the law. How dare they, to use the uh, language of Greta Thunberg, uh, do that to just a regular Joe or Jane going about his or her business? And, um, I, I mean, there's that, you know, ridiculous infraction. Do you know there was a group about 15 or so years ago, Alex in Toronto that were doing mm -hmm. the same thing. And I remember I went out on their ticket blitz and uh, one of the questions I had to them, I mean, they were ticketing minivans too. And, you know, I know the, the minivan is kind of like a punchline for um, the white flag of suburban surrender. But if you can put seven or eight people in a minivan, isn't that... Um, you know, pro-carbon emissions as opposed to having four separate vehicles. You can commute carpool with eight people in one vehicle. And I asked that of these people, and it was kind of like, you know, they were having an epiphany. Um, and I can't remember what the answer was, but they continued to ticket minivans too. So um, did what is law enforcement going to do um, and I know that's a really big stretch when I call the Montreal police law enforcement, <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you can get away with putting fake tickets on somebody's windshield, but vandalizing uh, someone's property, that is against the law. And I don't give a tinker's damn is if this is all about so-called saving the planet, which it isn't. But these people can't be allowed to get away with this, Alexa. And, and by the way, it's so funny because the other day where I, I live in Montreal, um, I saw right there a man who I, were using a, a bricks to deflate the big van that was next to the, in, the, in the street. And I, I went out with my friend and we were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? And the guy, or I don't know if it's a woman because it was all in black start running really, really fast. But I went to see like the owner and I say like, just by the way, and he told me, oh, it's probably why like every time I'm, I'm taking my car, my, my tire is deflated. Unbelievable. And, you know, it speaks to the bigger issue, and we see this in the U.S., uh, in blue states, of course. I believe there was a news story. I mean, I know it's not on the agenda, but it was about Target closing several stores in California and New York. 
And it was simply that um, police don't respond to shoplifting uh, charges anymore. Uh, you know, mass groups come in and they literally just pick up TVs, bicycles, you name it, and walk out the store. Look at that, closing nine stores, if you can imagine. Mm. So A, they cannot make money when people are literally robbing you blind. And B, the employees are at risk. This is a safety issue for their staff. So. I'm really, I don't like this trend, Alexa, whatever the crime is, when law enforcement turns a blind eye. Remember, the way New York back in the 80s got back on track was the broken windows uh, philosophy, where, you know, if you don't sweat the small stuff, i.e. vandalism, graffiti, uh, people not paying their subway fare, that leads to big stuff. And New York, once upon a time, cracked down on all of that garbage. It led to a revival. Of course, it seems that we're now going back down the drain with the current regime in uh, New York City. But uh, like I said, uh, this is just a disaster for society when you do not enforce the law. Because really, what's the sense of having a law in the first place, Alexa? Yeah, but in the same time, you know, like in New York, they have like many crises that is happening, and especially with the immigration crisis, yes. they have also like a, a really big problem with uh, inflation and a cost of living crisis. And so I'm not surprised to see that because when you have like more poor people or more like lower, um, like lower. I don't know how you call people gain like less money in English, but when you have like more of that, of course, you have people who struggle more and the crime will rise. Mm. Uh, but I would argue that poverty is not an excuse uh, to commit no. crimes, uh, especially when we have a very robust welfare state. There are programs that uh, can make sure you're not going to go out with, go without a meal. But moving on on the green file, one last thing. I see um, convicted criminal Stephen Guibault, uh, he also took aim at poor Pierre Polyev. Wow, uh, Mr. Polyev is getting it from all uh, elements of the Liberal Party. Um, let's see what the criminal Gibault has to say about uh, Pierre Polyev and carbon. Let me be clear. In the last federal election, conservatives, including Mr. Polyev, campaigned on a platform that included pollution pricing and a clean fuel standard, very similar to the one our government enacted. It wasn't much but it was at least an acknowledgement of the issue. Today, they say that they're adamantly opposed to both these climate measures. Mr. Palyev claims he wants to address the climate crisis through technology, technology innovation, yet he's against a simple market-based and economy-wide incentive that is driving innovation, pollution pricing. He opposes investments in electric vehicle plants. He opposes EV purchase incentives he clearly doesn't believe in EVs are part of the solution. He also wants us to cut back in public transit support and wants to deregulate the oil and gas sector. The political tactic that Mr. Polyev views, the partisan hardball that gives rise to the disregard of the environmental commons is also driving the disregard of all commons public goods. Universal health care, vaccination, harm reduction, our social safety net. 
The casual disregard of facts and science in pursuit of partisan advantage goes beyond the climate change issue. It becomes an issue for the health of our democracy, of all democracies. If we have to have our own sets of facts, how do we choose policy responsibly? I wish there was an easy answer, a magic bullet that could stop climate change in its track. Instead, we are stuck with the laws of physics and the reality of a big, sparsely populated and resource-dependent nation. Our climate plan is working. There's much to do still, but we are heading in the right direction at long last after much hard work. We must continually challenge ourselves to do more, not less, because no amount of misinformation can change what we have accomplished. The challenge now is to ensure progress doesn't slip away in smoke. Thank you. Merci. And mercy beaucoup, uh, Mr. Jailbird. Uh, you know what? You said hypocrite. You're uh, stealing my thunder, Alexa. I have two points, and let me hear what uh, your response is. The first piece of hypocrisy is uh, when he's saying that, condemning Pierre Polyev for not saying that EVs are part of the climate crisis solution. Uh, first of all, EVs are enormously expensive, and with many... Uh, personal uh, people who would like to buy one, they're not practical in terms of range, in terms of charging availability, etc. cetera. Uh, the other thing about the EV, uh, Alexa, is that if these things are so great, why doesn't Blackface embrace them? Whenever he's on his motorcade, it's about eight or nine vehicles. Almost all of them are supersized SUVs, uh, such as Chevy uh, Suburbans and Ford Excursions. And oh, uh, shockers, folks, they're not running on dilithium crystals. Uh, they've got eight cylinder engines burning fossil fuel. And whenever Blackface gets to his destination, guess what? what they let those vehicles idle because god forbid blackface gets into uh one of his uh, vehicles on a hot summer day and uh you know it's uh, not exactly room temperature for him so we have the air conditioning blasting in summer and the heat blasting in winter and as anyone who knows of uh, uh motor cars uh, idling emissions are the very worst. So there's that. The second thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, Alexa, but with Jailbird Guibault, uh, wasn't this cat in China last month? Wasn't he waving a finger at our poor environmental record? And abs, it, talk about audacity, it's beyond hypocrisy. Uh, you know, uh, complimenting China on their environmental record. This is a regime that's still building coal plants uh, on a monthly basis. Um, you know, they don't even hide the hypocrisy anymore, Alexa, but do, do you, how many people do you think are buying what the jailbird is trying to sell? Uh oh, unfortunately, I think there is a lot of people who buy that. Wow. And this is, um, this is uh, the saddest part. But the thing is, same if Canada will turn completely green. That will not make a difference in the planet. With China, that are producing the most important quantity of pollution and um, the greenhouse gas, we are a penny in a billion of dollars. You know, and and the fact that also it's not the same person who warned people to not be fooled by the liberal ones. 
<laughs> oh, well, as they say, that was then and this is now. And when you're getting that nice six-figure salary and uh, you can afford nice Armani suits as opposed to, well, he was wearing the color orange for a, a, <laughs> a period of his lifetime uh, that's kind of blotted out on his resume. Gee, where? Oh, yeah, that's right. Prison. Uh, but in any event, uh, Alexa, uh, we have to take another ad break. And on the other side, let's pick up the transanity file that ain't going away either <laughs> canadians are grappling with news blackouts on social media due to the justin trudeau liberal government's bill c-18 this new piece of legislation demands that social media platforms pay the government for news shared by users which is an inconceivable task for companies like meta and google so as a result they have decided to preemptively block all canadian news content including ours at rebel news in response to this we have since teamed up with vpn provider private internet access to ensure that you can continue to access all of our content across a broad range of platforms while also maintaining your privacy for only two dollars a month you can bypass trudeau's new censorship laws while you safeguard freedom of speech and continue to get the news that matters to you the most Visit PIAVPN.com slash Rebel News to take advantage of the 84% discount and four months free. As a bonus, PIA has all of its servers located in the United States, not China, and they automatically delete user data from their servers to avoid leaks and government subpoenas for information phishing expeditions. Don't delay. Head over to PIAVPN.com slash Rebel News to stay up to date on the news in Canada and protect your access to it. Don't delay. You don't want to be left behind. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers' Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists, like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the Freedom Train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Now, Alexa, as I promised before the break, we're going to talk about the Transanity file. And during the break, super producer Olivia came in and said a release has just been uh, put out by Ontario's Minister of Education. Uh, that would be uh, Stephen Lecce, a.k.a. Claude Rains, a.k.a. The Invisible Man. Uh, evidently, uh, he's emerged from hibernation uh, to issue some sort of a statement on uh, gender ideology. So I haven't seen this clip. I don't know what he's going to say. Let's watch it and uh, we'll react uh, after The Invisible One has has finished. Another matter, the Premier said the other week that he feels school boards are, quote, indoctrinating students as regards gender identity. Without defaulting to your talking points, because I know you want all students to feel safe, 
But do you agree with the premier on that as education minister? I think Ontario schools need to get back to basics. This is a fundamental issue in Ontario. Parents have been abundantly clear. They do not believe that is the overriding priority of school boards, so much so that I brought a bill before this House passed with bipartisan support with the Liberals who agree with the premise that back to basics is the future when it comes to improving literacy, math, and fundamental skills. So uh, I believe school boards need to refocus on academic achievement. And for the first time in Ontario history, I now have binding powers as minister to impose academic achievement as the priority on school boards so they get back to basics on reading, writing, and math. The only way we're gonna see improvement in EQAO and fundamental skills is if kids are in school and if schools prioritize literacy in STEM education. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're emphasizing. And yes, indeed, of course, I wouldn't submit that as a talking point. I think it is a, an immoral imperative of government to protect every child. And we believe in that. We've been, we've been visible in support of all communities in our schools, and we will harness the good of that diversity. But we will, of course, always make the case for parents to have a role, to be aware, and to support their kids on their learning journey. Okay, Alexa, so the first thing that got the needle on my bullshite detector to go right into the red zone uh, was this idea that finally I have the power. Oh, what a liar. He's always had power. Do you know, Stephen Lecce, if he wanted to, could have dissolved the out-of-control school boards in Ontario, of which there are many, uh, some of the prime candidates being the Toronto District School Board, the Halton District School Board, uh, the Durham District School Board. These are schools that have literally pornography in elementary school libraries. They are uh, putting forth indoctrination over education. In the case of Halton District at Oakville Trevalgar High School, we had that almost year-long fiasco, that international black eye of Busty Lemieux uh, with his Z cups um, going to shop class, breaking every rule in the uh, shop etiquette book. And this minister was paralyzed, paralyzed, I would imagine, with the fear of, well, I don't want to seem transphobic or anything. <laughs> so you know what? I'll believe it when I see it. And by the way, uh, on, the, on the issue of uh, Busty Lemieux, um, he is now bearded Lemieux. He's at a different school board. He's at a different school in Hamilton. And I, you know, I don't want to go off on a total tangent on Lemieux. My goodness, uh, you know, we've spent so much uh, time on him. But it would seem to me, and I'm not a labor lawyer, Alexa, but he, in his only on-the-record interview, which was last February with the New York Post, he said, I can't not go to class with uh, my breasts because they're not props. They're not prosthetics. These are real memory glands. I started developing at 38. I have a very rare medical condition, you see. Yeah, one in eight billion. <laughs> um, and suddenly, he's now dropped the Z-cup boobs, um, which, by the way, exactly resemble the Z-cup boobs I bought from eBay. And by the way, folks, if anyone wants to buy them, I'll give you a good deal. Uh, but anyway, uh, there he is. Uh, he's once again identifying, as the language goes, as a male. The point I'm getting to, Alexa, he essentially lied to his employer about a disability. Isn't that grounds for termination with cause? And then I want to hear what you have to say about Lachie's announcement. Um, we say that he got a double mastectomy. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there's that too. I never thought about that, but I wouldn't bet the ranch on it. <laughs> no, but it can be the case that it is a kind of answer that you can say like he did a reduction or completely that like the removal of it, and now he. He, he just like decided to to get rid of his condition. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I was actually thinking the same. I was like, but did he mention that he had like a condition that actually make his boobs grow insanely? Yes. And I was just like, um, something doesn't make sense because usually when you have like to make a surgery for a double mastectomy, it takes a, a while, but it takes like, you can't have it, but it takes a while. So it's pretty quick huh? over the summer. It's just like, whoop, whoop. It's, oh, I know. <laughs> and he did, I can't remember the name of the condition. Um, he did mention it. There are about approximately 300 people that suffer from this medical condition. Oh, but lo and behold, Alexa Lavoie, guess what? They are all biological females, according to the Cleveland Clinic. He's the only dude on the planet suffering from this enormous breast growth. But, but I see that, uh, so you might be buying the fact that these were real and he got an operation. Is that what you're telling us? But I think I, I think like uh, he will tell you probably something like crazy. He probably will do a lot of research, and now we have like a really rare disease that he actually fall. They mm. fall. That's yeah, probably why. Well, and and as for Lecce saying, "Oh, I'm I finally have the power." You always had the power, uh, I would say, um, Alexa. As the minister, the school boards are a creation of the province. He can disband them. He can replace the, the trustee and staff, a lickety-split. He always had that power. So what is he talking about? This is a guy that couldn't remove or, or, or couldn't use his influence to have obscene materials removed from schools, couldn't even enact a dress code. You know, I mean, I, again, going back to Lemieux, it was so perverse. The students at Oakville Trafalgar are under a dress code. In other words, on a hot uh, day, if a girl came to school with like a spaghetti strap top, uh, <laughs> she'd receive a detention or a suspension. That's inappropriate. But the faculty uh, aren't beholden to a dress code. How does that even make sense? So is Lecce, uh, if he does have new powers, uh, Alexa, is he actually gonna you know, use them? I don't think so, yeah. I, because if you do so, you will be canceled. You will be canceled by everybody. You will be called like a transphobic or a, a homophobic person just because you try to interfere in some regulation. But like in Quebec now, um, some of the politicians have uh, raised some concern about, uh, you know, the mixed bathroom and everything. And they say that maybe we should have like a parliamentary commission to talk about it and maybe discuss of it. it's appropriate and good for the children. Mm. And also like after the big one uh, million march for children, um, our our premier went out to say that it's unacceptable of what happened during that march. But also, what I do like, and I would not say that pretty often, uh, uh, that I like something that my premier say because I think it's one of the worst. Um, but he mentioned 
that is not okay to call concerned parents that are raising questions about what is going on with the school system to call them transphobic and homophobic and intolerant. And I think that is something that should have been raised, and it did, because really a few people talk about the fact that those parents who are raising concern are being treated really badly by their opponents. And, you know, on the subject of transphobia, this was the original story I wanted to talk to you about, Alexa. More propaganda from the disgraceful Toronto Star. Uh, the headline reads, I'm afraid at times teachers speak out on how anti... <gasps> 2SLGBTQ plus XYZ protests have shaken their classrooms. You know, what a bunch of malarkey. And I'll tell you why. Last Friday, I was at a demonstration outside of a Toronto school. It was uh, a, an anti-Soji demonstration. You had Billboard Chris there, Josh Alexander, uh, Maxime Bernier, the leader of the People's Party of Canada. All the people there were decent. You could talk to them. They were articulate. There was the du rigueur counter-protests of the Spirit Unicorn Syndicate members and their pals, the Antifa thugs. And they were wearing trouble on their shirt. And I, I want to say something, Alexa. I think we here at Rebel, most of us, we tend to back the blue. We're pro-police. But the Toronto Police Service had a terrible, terrible day that Friday because while the peaceful demonstrators uh, were saying their thing, uh, the Antifa and the spirit unicorns were engaged in acts of violence and the police were arresting the victims. I saw the, in, the fellow with the red beret, his name is Bill, he's 80 years old, he's a military veteran. He got arrested just for standing there. And then Josh Alexander's brother, Nick, was cut open on top of his eye. He was bleeding profusely. And then the police handcuffed and arrested Nick. And I, again, it speaks to what we talked about earlier. When you're turning a blind eye to crime based on ideology, uh, there goes society down the drain, Alexa. That was a disgraceful event because the police, and I don't believe it was organic. I think, you know, it was one of the questions I gave Mr. Bernier, a, are there political puppet masters uh, driving this? Are they saying, go after the peaceful parents, the good demonstrators, and turn a blind eye to the violent counter-protesters? And I'm bringing it back to this Toronto Star article when, they, when she says um, that the two SLGBTQ plus protests have shaken the classrooms. No, that's not the case. These demonstrators are peaceful. It's the counter-protesters, members of the Rainbow Mafia. They're the violent ones. So again, this is more 1984, you know, love is hate, war is peace, being served up courtesy of our tax dollars by the mainstream media, Alexa. But in the same time, I have two things to mention, that police will not go against the Antifa and the far radical left that way where they're into protest first of all because they are really violent second because they don't listen 
whatever you say, they will not listen to you and they will go against you and they will go against the parties. They will not care. Okay. These people, they do their own law. Okay. Hmm. And so they probably have the rule or the warning to not touch and not provoke them since they are uncontrollable and they are also like, you cannot know what they would do. And, and it's probably why they say like, don't touch them because they probably a little bit crazy. And I, I know because in every single protest, those people are not being challenged by the police. They yeah. are not being like arrested by the police. And especially because you cannot identify them. They are fully masked and they make sure that nobody can see their face with umbrella, with other like tactic to hide themselves. And they all go against camera. They all, all go to try to hide their identity. So it's really hard for the police at that time to identify a bunch of people who look the same, who all wear like bandana, black bandana and all black coats. So if they see someone doing a crime, good luck to identify the, which one is the one who did the crime on the whole bunch of people who wear the same clothes in the same like hiding face. So. No. You're so absolutely it's, right. It's probably why. <laughs> no, and, and Alexa, you know that better than anyone. You've done such brave reporting going up against these thugs in uh, Quebec who harass you and even physically assault you, and it boils my blood. I, you know, I it kind of I shrug it off when it happens to me, but when I see it happen to my colleagues, especially female colleagues, yeah, that's right, folks. I still believe in chivalry. I know I'm an old-fashioned square that way. It really drives me insane. But you are right. It's so odd, isn't it, Alexa? They're still mm -hmm. wearing their face diapers, even though COVID is in the rearview mirror. And uh, again, on Friday in Toronto, it was 26 degrees, zero percent chance of part uh, participation. Part no precipitation sorry <laughs> and the people showing up to the protests uh many of them had umbrellas gee why would that be well we know uh they put up the umbrellas to obscure uh video evidence of their crimes taking place because the crime will happen behind the umbrella and the umbrella itself can be weaponized and by the way as I, i'm speaking look at that an 80 year old military veteran Mm -hmm. who was just standing there. I witnessed it from beginning to end. He wasn't even raising his voice, Alexa. Hauled away like trash in that uh, paddy wagon. Absolutely shameful. And uh, like I said, we like to back the police, but we call them as I see them. And that was an absolute shameful incident. I don't know if we have a shot that Olivia can get to where it shows uh, Nick Alexander uh, bleeding profusely. And uh, again, with the uh, cops, nothing to see here. You'd think they would have at least have called an ambulance for him, take him away in that for some medical treatment as opposed to arresting him. But hey, what do I know? I'm not a law enforcement expert. You know what, Alexa? I would, I, oh, I would mention that I'm, I'm really against what the, uh, the, the, the police did, like to arrest some of the people who clearly it was not them who provoked or did anything. And, but if I put myself in the perspective, it's what they have been told to do, most of the police, is to diminish the risk. And yeah. the risk is probably because they see that 
the side of the protester against the uh, the counter protester is the one that would provoke most of the time these crazy crazy far left people so and they know that we are like those people the protesters are more diligent to respond and to to bend the knee for the law and to to actually like be peaceful and say okay I'm, I'm i'm stopping because we they these people have the reason they reason well and they will say okay i understand but though the other people will not will not do it so for them it's like where we can diminish the risk okay this side so we go there so it's all they think it's all they do and it's all they they do that their, their, their technique and and and, and it works you can see like while you remove the people to that can provoke them it diminishes like the the tension you're absolutely right alexa uh and translation when it comes to risk reduction it basically is is the police and the authority saying might makes right and we will bend the knee to the bullies because, well, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's too dirty otherwise to enforce the rule of law. So, um, but at the, at the same token, Alexa, this is not justice. This is not how life in a democracy should be. And it's shameful. And, and I'll tell you, um, what, as much as I agree with you, I can tell you last Friday, the peaceful demonstration was bigger than the counter protest. So it wasn't even a matter of, um, you know, bending the knee to those with greater numbers. It was completely ideologically driven. And I think there's something behind the scenes that, well, they're telling the cops, uh, turn a blind eye to the counter protesters acting like thugs and make sure you fill your quota with arrests of the demonstrators who aren't breaking any law. Unless it's a law just to stand on a public sidewalk, unless it's a law to, um, you know, bleed on a sidewalk like uh, Nick Alexander was doing. Maybe those obscure laws exist. Uh, I haven't heard of them, but that's what I witnessed, <laughs> and, it, and it, was, it was absolutely shameful. You know, Alex, I can see we're about quarter past the hour. It's, uh, time's gone so fast. Do we have any super chats by any chance? I think we do, don't we? Oh. Is that Yo, Georgie, it's Gorgie, Georgie? Gorgie. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Gorgie, Gorgie. <laughs> I, I say, hey, guys, nice to be on. It's been a while. Looks like liberals love Nazi. <laughs> and, and UN ambassador Bob Ray even was bending over backwards for Trudeau. By the way, David, you look great. What do you do? You know Question what? Um, <laughs> I think I'm losing some weight, which is one of two things. I'm getting in shape or I'm dying anyway. <laughs> but thank you for the comment. Don't say that. <laughs> Please. <laughs> no, I don't want to give my enemies the satisfaction, Alexa. I'm going to hang on as long as I can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Until... <laughs> Stay strong, same after the death. <laughs> That's true. Do we have any more, my friend? 
No, that's it. Okay, well, okay. Uh, Alexa, it was an absolute delight. Thank you so much for hopping into co-host with me today. Thank you to super producer Olivia. Thank you to all those who tuned in, especially Georgie Georgie for giving us that donation. Much appreciated. We will be back. I think it's the Alberta team is on the live stream tomorrow because that's a Friday. And in the meantime, folks, as always, stay safe stay and sane. stay sane. <laughs> well, I would table the motion that the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage reaffirm its commitment to freedom of speech and denounce the decision by the Peel Region School Board Libraries to remove thousands of books published before the year 2008 and deemed by the school board to be culturally irrelevant and call for all removed books to be immediately returned to school libraries. The reason I am tabling this motion is because there have been many students, many parents, and many community members, um, as well as teachers who have spoken out with great concern con regarding this. Um, the thing that is of concern is not that books are being, um, some are taken off the shelf and, and that there's this replenishment process. That That is normal. In this case though, what the school board has described as its criteria is of great concern um, because one of its criteria is whether or not these books are, quote, culturally relevant or whether or not there is, quote, misinformation or, quote, misleading information in these books. And so it poses great questions with regards to freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Who gets to be the czar of truth? Who gets to determine what is culturally relevant? <laughs> Um, it's, it's rather rich, actually, for the school division to think that they can make that uh, Trumpian decision. And so, there, interestingly enough, there was actually a, a, a Japanese student who um, was willing to be interviewed by the media concerning this. And she raised some really good concerns. Uh, as a Japanese student, she was curious as to whether or not books having to do with internment camps of the Japanese would still be preserved or if those would be removed from the shelf. She wasn't able to find any. So for her, that's culturally relevant. But maybe to the Caucasian man who decided to take those books off the shelf, maybe it wasn't relevant. So who gets to be the czar of what's relevant and what's not? Who gets to determine what is true and, and what is not? And so there is great purpose in protecting freedom of speech and allowing divergent viewpoints to be expressed. And the way we do that is by allowing a multitude of books to remain on the shelf and allow robust debate. And that's to say that yes, there will be conflicting ideas expressed, but that's what allows society to progress. That's what allows for one idea to rise against another and for new innovation to transpire. And so I would ask this committee to consider this, this motion that I am tabling today um, and that we would stand together united in our advocacy for freedom of speech.